Welcome to a suspension of disbelief. My name is Cindy Parker. This is the third episode of the podcast that introduces the city church community to the visual artists within our congregation who are creating original pieces marking the seasons of the liturgical calendar. This week, I got to go to Isaac Lynn's studio in South Philadelphia to talk about his ideas for the Good Friday art installation. So Isaac, thanks for letting me come and be in your studio. It's fun sure. to see the working environment uh-huh. that you're in. It's very fun. Yeah, welcome. Thanks. <laughs> Before we really talk about the stuff you're going to be doing with City Church, can you just start by saying, like, when did you know in the core of your being that you were an artist and that's what you needed to do for your profession? Growing up, I always liked like making things with my yeah. hands, um, you know, either playing with Legos or I had an uncle who was a surgeon actually here in South Philly. He gave me a pair of like surgical scissors when I was like, I don't know, one or two. And That's I used such to, an interesting gift for yeah, a child. I, know, right? <laughs> <laughs> I would um, take the newspaper and like, especially like the, you know, advertisements for like Toys R Us or something, and I would cut out like all the toys that I wanted. So I was always, I don't know, sort of doing things with my hands. And I wasn't in, probably until high school that I really knew that I wanted to pursue art because I think that moment in my life was when I was sort of more self-aware of my racial identity. And my father had passed away when I was 17. That was my senior year in high school. And so art was this vehicle that I could kind of, you know, figure out like those messy emotions. And and also art was something that was the meaningful or fulfilling thing that was in my life at that time. Like my parents both worked in the city and I remember them, you know, not really loving their job. And my father, um, when he was younger, like a teenager, he wanted to be a cellist, and mm. his father sort of squashed his, uh, you know, his dream of being a cellist. But he always, my father always kept up with playing his cello, practicing. So I grew up always hearing him practicing. I wanted to pursue something that was some that was fulfilling and meaningful for me. Nice. Not going to like a, I couldn't see myself going to like a nine to five kind of job. So I was looking at the resume that you have posted online mm. and it seems like you're an East and West Coast artist. You, you right. have been to art schools and done programs on both coasts. Correct. Yeah. Right. How did that come about? I really had to fight my mom to go to art school. Like it was, you know, I think growing up as a son of an immigrant, all the kids that I went to church with, especially Chinese-American, American-born Chinese uh, kids were all kind of going towards more secure kind of careers. But I you know, didn't want that. Like I wanted to go to art school and I went to Rhode Island School of Design up mm-hmm. in Providence. I was there from 94 to 98. It was an amazing time. Like there were a lot of amazing artists who were there and just 
being at that art school was, I don't know, just amazing. Like, it was like camp, you know, it was just being surrounded by so many creative people doing amazing things that are still doing amazing things now. While I was there, I met some people who, after they were like a year ahead of me, they, when they graduated, they moved back to Philadelphia and started this gallery collective called Space 1026 that was on uh, Arch Street, on 10th and Arch. And so I got a studio with there um, from like 98 to 2002, 2003. And it was an amazing time too, because it was kind of like art school again, minus, you know, teachers and homework. And so it was really good to like, I don't know, learn a lot about balancing like practical stuff, like having a part-time job and also trying to find time to pursue a studio practice. Mm -hmm. But at a certain point, I knew that I needed to kind of get out of that environment just to sort of focus on my own sort of practice my own ideas and my own, I guess, growth as an individual artist. So that's why I went to grad school in San Francisco and then lived in Providence, I mean, in um, Portland, Oregon for almost a year. But the reason I moved back to Philadelphia was because the racial demographics were pretty, they weren't very diverse. (laughs) Jobs were hard to find there. So I knew that if I moved back to Philadelphia, I could link back in with all my friends and the art community that I already was a part of. I mean, how do you take something that is so abstract and then put words around it to say, this is what my work is? So how do you describe it to people? (laughs) I say sort of um, that it's very flat and graphic, meaning like the colors aren't just up against each other or layered on top of each other and they're not like watercolor where they're kind of translucent. Mm. So mm. it's they're opaque. And the kinds of brushes that I use are uh, square tip brushes. So that's where the sort of calligraphy element comes to it. Yeah, it's very cool because the lines move from being really thick to being really thin, right. kind of depending on how you're using it. Right, totally. And I like this idea of like, using like a written form like calligraphy is a way to write words but i'm not using the calligraphy as calligraphy i'm like just using it more as like shapes and so i'm it's this idea of like using like a recognizable way of communicating but i'm not communicating anything what uh you have been in shows and have installations that are around the world, right? Mm-hmm. What is there one where you, as you look back, uh, you think, oh, this was my all-time favorite either piece that I created or favorite place to be in terms mm. of an artist who is exhibiting work? Um, Melissa and I were in a group show in Tokyo, and that was really fun. I guess like my all-time favorite so far was a couple years ago, I had a mural commission in the Netherlands. It was the biggest mural that I've ever painted. It was 13 stories high by 40 feet wide. It was um, huge. And I had to be in this like big cherry picker crane. Um, I had one assistant. But yeah, that was really fun. They they flew me out and put me up for three weeks. Um, So speaking of murals, Mm. you have a couple in Philadelphia. Right, yeah. We should do a scavenger hunt for Isaac Lynn murals (laughs) around the city. Where should people go to see um, stuff that you've done? 
There's a couple in Chinatown. Like the the first one that I did, I think the first one was in the playground at the Chinese Christian Church and Center. It's on Winter Street between Ninth Ninth and Tenth. It's in the playground. I so that's the church that I kind of grew up in when I was a, a teenager. So that was really special. That one actually is the most figurative. It's the only figurative mural that I've done.、Mm. Um, it was based on the.、Uh, Peaceable Kingdom, so like all these, I did all these like kind of cartoony animals, all like you know hanging out together. Oh, fine.、Um, and then I, there's one on Ray Street between Thirteenth and Broad. It's in this parking lot.、Um, it's an abstract one. And then another one at Seventh and Callow Hill, or between Spring Garden and Callow Hill、okay. on Seventh Street. Yeah. It's like right by the、uh, old electric factory. Oh. Now it's、great. called like. Franklin Music yeah, Hall or something.、Yeah. There's a couple indoor ones like there's a Sweet Green、um, restaurant, you know, Sweet Green. Great,、yeah. it's on. There's one on Market Street. Yeah, that's Sixteenth and Market. I did a little mural for them, and then and that's inside. It's on the in the seating area. I was just eating there not that long ago. It's um when you go in the door, it's like to the left, and then there's a any other murals. Off of、uh, Snyder by like the Target and the there's like a little、uh, like it's called Snyder Plaza,、mm-hmm. um, right by the Lowe's and IKEA. It's like at the intersection of Snyder and Swanson Street. There's a Rite Aid, and it's on the back of the Rite Aid. Okay. There's this new hotel that's being built、um, at Twelfth and Chestnut. It's there. Sort of refurbishing this the Stephen Gerrard building,、mm. turning it into a hotel, and I'm doing a mural in this one hallway. So, how does someone who is working, accustomed to working very large scale,、mm. come up with a piece of art that City Church can use when we don't own a building? So you have to bring the、mm. art in, you have to take the art out, but. How, what is your process going to be like then for figuring out what to do for Good Friday? Well, it's been kind of hard because I don't because the because of those limitations of not owning the building, so it has to be sort of the whatever the installation is has to be, you know, easily disassembled or mobile, and and we have limitations to the actual physical space, like the ceilings are super high, like and you know you can't. Screw things into the wall. Well, there may not be school on Good Friday, but、mm. there's got to be limitations to when、right. you can Access, go in and、totally. and set something up and then、mm-hmm. tear it down at the same time. Right. I, yeah. yeah. So there's all these sort of factors that go into it. So at first, I was thinking of doing an installation that was like a a huge crown of thorns, like around the whole auditorium. But I don't think I we have the budget for it. And then also all those other factors of like time and whether or not you can screw into the wall or whatever. So I don't know. I'm still rethinking that idea. So, so with the crown of thorns idea, like I'd been drawing calligraphic sort of shapes and lines, like thinking about thorns. I think one of the second. I don't know. We've been going to City Church for about four years now.、Mm. I think the, our first time was in, on Easter, and then this. Sort of like I guess like the second Easter that we were at City Church, I started thinking about or drawing these like thorns on like those lines and 
thinking about how thorns are this way of like how sin is like we're ensnared by things mm. and as much as we want to sort of let go of things they sort of um, stick to us I yeah, guess. yeah so in the same way like these these lines are sort of like uh my own psychological barbed wire or something oh, like that yeah so this like crown of thorns idea was like using like those lines that I draw, I was gonna like cut them out of like either foam core or something rigid um, and sort of place them around the auditorium. But I don't know if I'm gonna, I don't, I don't think I can go that big with this idea. But I think you were saying like how my work is very colorful, like color for me is like a, um, a way to, they symbolize like more basic um, ideas to me like you know like red yellow blue are primary colors and that's kind of like the where all colors come from you know you can the color white like through a prism is like a rainbow of colors and so it's more of like a a tool to sort of think about like um like basic fundamental kind of ideas where um it doesn't have like that much uh, emotional charge for me mm. um it's more representational or symbolic use of color could something like a good friday installation actually have a lot of rich vibrant color i always think black cuz i think death sure, but maybe yeah. that's not maybe yeah. that doesn't have to be the case yeah i mean i guess like you know in other cultures like like in Asian cultures, white is like, you know, the symbol right. of like uh, you wear white at funerals or whatever. Right. So, yeah, it's interesting how color can be. It's very relative. Like one of the things that I like about like Melissa and I working together on the, our clothing line is like she has different ideas about color and the things that make her uh, her eyes like get, you know, excited is like different from mine. And so it's like a neutral ground for us to learn about each other's like different perspectives you know that's interesting definitely good friday does i mean yeah good friday doesn't have to be just black i guess (laughs) yeah so we are anticipating an isaac lynn piece on good friday right i mean it'll probably just be something that you know I mean, as opposed to like Caroline's book where it's more intimate and you can like actually like touch it and like flip through it my installation will be just something more environmental, I guess, mm-hmm. like um, mm-hmm. for the space. So when this podcast is released mm-hmm. and city church people hear it and are anticipating Lent drawing to a close and what Good Friday symbolizes, what can they be expecting to experience maybe when they walk into the auditorium on Friday? I mean, art, I guess that's one of the, you know, things about art is that it's very subjective and it's open to interpretation yeah. and and interesting because then you can, you learn a lot from whoever looks at it. You can, you know, people might see other things from it. So I'm, in, I'm always interested in like hearing what other people get out of things because I think for me, I get, you know, my time in my studio um, is very like private and like personal and just like me and like this and the paint and the 
paper or canvas. So it's so insular and like self-absorbed. So it's really refreshing to like get out of like my own head and like see things from, you know, other people's perspective and be like, oh, like, you know, just hearing feedback is for me like enjoyable, like especially when people are, you know, come at it from totally different uh, usually a hundred percent of the time different from what I think. So yeah. um, that's always fun to hear. Nice. Yeah. I know this is like the most big, like the biggest cop out, like artist answer, <laughs> like, Oh, whatever you want to think of it like, is, <laughs> is all good to me. Sometimes as part of the audience looking at art, mm-hmm. sometimes we have to be reminded that it's okay for us to have different experiences True, yeah, with it. Definitely. Because Sometimes I feel enormous amounts of pressure to mm-hmm. get it right. Like I've right, experienced right. it the right way and I came right. to the right conclusion that yeah. the artist has worked so hard to get me to come to. Right. And when I hear artists like you say, no, it's a have your own experience mm. and then share that and talk about that, it's it's actually quite freeing. Yeah, it's it's interesting because I feel like in a lot of ways like I get that feeling too of like wanting to get it right and needing to like read all the placards or like, you know, getting my art history correct or whatever. I feel like that same feeling of like needing to get it right is my experience with my faith, with my relationship with God. And I see a lot of sort of corollary to mm. to my interaction with art and my interaction with God. And I have to be reminded, constantly reminded that like, at least in my relationship with God, that it's, he loves me, like, no matter what, you know, that it's it's not how much I know or anything that I do that, you know, can, makes God love me more or less, so. so. If people in the congregation want to get a better sense of what your art is like, or if they kind of want to spy on you a little bit more, mm-hmm. get to know you as an artist outside of Sunday mornings, uh, is there a what social media accounts can they go to? How can they see the work that you've done or get an idea of the murals even that Mm. you've done in Philadelphia? Right. So most of my social presence is on Instagram. Mm -hmm. It's just my full name, Isaac Tinway Lin. Um, And then that's also my website. And um, you can also see some of my work on the Fleischer Ullman Gallery. So Fleischer Gallery.com, I think. Okay. Thank you so much for for even just letting me be in your studio and for giving all of us at City Church actually a glimpse into even just the abstractness of the process of Mm. figuring out how to do an installation given Mm -hmm. the constraints that you have. So Mm -hmm. I'm really excited to see (laughs) what it ends up being. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks for coming, Cindy. Thanks Thanks for the interview. It's really fun. This program is made possible through a vital worship grant from the Calvin Institute of Christian Worship in Grand Rapids, Michigan. The music is titled As by Fire Between Walls by Joshua Stamper and commissioned by the City Church. And thanks to Christopher McDonald for his production help. I'm so appreciative. And of course, thank you to Bethany and Lisa for all of their work on this Vital Worship Grant. Don't forget to let them know how you are interacting with and responding to the art installations at City Church. 
Our next episode will be released really soon as we move very quickly from Good Friday to Easter. Thanks for listening.